Hey, Juanita. Hi, everybody. How are you today? Hi, Mark. How are you going? Where Where are you coming from today? Well, today, where's Westy today? Westy is, uh, I am in the Gun Send Motel at uh, Gundawindi. I actually saw New South Wales. In fact, I went over New South Wales. I was flying into Gundawindi. Today, I actually had to cross over into enemy territory. Um, right. right. I don't know if I should tell anyone. I might have to do two weeks. Um, yeah. Quarantine. <laughs> two weeks, uh, what do you call it? Sitting by myself in a room or something. But anyway, Much no, like you are now. <laughs> just like I am now. Um, no, I, I did a two-hour uh, presentation to a succession uh, succession planning workshop for um, at Gundawindi today. So that was very good. So I've been talking for two hours, so it must be your, <laughs> must be your turn. <laughs> but, so hello um, to all your new friends at Gundawindi. That's right. That's right. I told them about the um, the show. Um, yeah, today I, I thought we'd we'd touch on because it was uh, relevant to uh, someone I was talking to last week, and uh, you know we're having a great conversation. They got four kids, and uh, and they really need our help in regard to um, creating their succession plan around uh, you know creating asset protection and all all those sorts of things. And uh, and I was having a great conversation with uh, mum and dad, two of the Two of the kids were there and, um, you know, they were on board with the need to get succession planning sorted. And then he said, he, he's, the dad asked me, he said, so, Mark, what's this going to cost me? Now, bear in mind, they've got an estate worth $15, 20000000 million. And he said, what's this going to cost me? And I said, look, you know, on average, an estate that sort of size, you know, between my fee, solicitor's fees and so on, probably going to cost you twenty, you know, maximum $25,000 to... To get that solved, you've got four kids, you've got an estate worth $15, $20 million. Um, it's going to protect those assets and blah, blah, blah. And it was like a switch just went off. It was like, seriously, you know, I'm not going to spend $20,000 on all that that stuff. And and, um, and the conversation basically just stopped and went on to something else. And I thought, wow, you know, most people understand the value in in what we do, what, you know, how we how we uh, create family harmony, protect the assets and so on. And... Uh, and so I thought today we'd we'd talk about, you know, if if it's sort of you know fifteen, twenty, twenty five thousand dollars to depending on how complicated all the stuff is, to protect their estate, uh, and they don't do it because they're worried about the cost. So my question, when either is and you've had experience in this stuff, what are the costs on the other side when the proverbial hits the fan and the kids start fighting after mum and dad have gone and, and uh, it just turns into a real dust-up. What's the, you know, so they've saved $20,000 today, but how much mm. is it going to cost them in X year's time? Could be double that to 10 times that to even more. So uh, I think um, the word that you mentioned that really struck with me is the value. And so you need to you need to be able to see the value in the investment you're making, which is something that I know you and I work hard to explain to our clients. Um, and we're going to go through a few examples of of things that can go wrong and why that initial investment can actually save you money in the long term. Well, look, absolutely. I mean, my my understanding when you when you look in the papers that um, uh, you know I, I posted something a couple few weeks ago in regard to a a rural family in Queensland where two brothers were, were fighting over mum's estate and she hadn't even died yet. Uh, 
and the legal fees in the stoush before mum has even died, mm. uh, you know, was into the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands mm. of dollars. And, I mean, that's kind of where, where it goes. You know, I, I, I wouldn't think you're ever going to get any change out of $100,000 if a, if a fight starts. So, um, no. you know, any... Any thoughts? Yeah, well, if, if, a, if a matter goes to, if an estate dispute goes to court, whether it be, uh, and I should even say even if it doesn't, so if, if a dispute is commenced and is, is a settlement is negotiated or mediated, it might not go to court or it may go to court. But along that process, um, any sort of estate dispute that's commenced can end up costing uh, on a good day Thirty to fifty thousand dollars for the estate to solve on a bad day, um, ten times that. So hundreds of thousands of dollars to to solve. Yeah. So um, you know, huge amounts of money, and and uh, it, it's a it's it's not correct to say that the expenses of an estate dispute always come out of the estate. Um, that's not okay. necessarily so. If if someone acts. Um, in a manner which was inappropriate, they may be responsible for their own costs, for example. However, usually the executor's costs always will come out of the estate unless they um, breach their own duties. So you can expect as soon as a dispute about an estate is commenced, then um, whether it gets settled or whether it eventually goes to court, we're talking of tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars. So by, um, by doing some forward planning that can minimise that happening, uh, it certainly will no doubt save that exact amount. There's, that's, a, that's a very clear um, difference. Yeah, that's forgetting all the other value. Uh, regardless of whether they fight or contest the wills or mm. do anything, mm. I mean, there's a whole lot of other value in regard to what we do to help people get all this stuff sorted in regard to the succession planning and creating certainty for the kids, creating family harmony and, and, and having the kids being able to understand what their options are for the future and, all, all those sorts of things that don't even relate to contested wills and mm. so on. So I just found it very very odd. It's been a long time since someone sort of questioned the uh, uh, the value of what it was that we do and, and uh, just yeah. got me thinking about how I better, how I best explain the, the value as a, as a package and compare it to what it's going to cost at the, uh, at the other end. But you, uh, you sent some, some issues today, mm. uh, Juanita, in regard to other things that can go wrong because your the due diligence that you guys do as part of my process with with clients i mean the due diligence where you you look at all the structures the ownerships you know down to insurance superannuation uh control of trusts and, and all that sort of stuff i mean that in itself can uh, can save so much grief heartache you know mm. apart from money so much grief and heartache as well can't it yeah that's right so i've got some um specific examples that I'm dealing with right at the moment, um, which I thought would be useful to discuss because if you see um, these sort of situations, it, you know, in, in real life examples, you can really start to appreciate what can go pear-shaped, I think, and then hopefully see the value in getting it right, right, uh, correct from the start. So um, the first thing... I like pear-shaped. Pear-shaped is a good word. Pear-shaped, yeah. Very legal you know, I, word. I, I came up with a new word today as I was... As I was talking at this two-hour presentation, and can we say it? Can we say we can say it? It's, it was ickiness. Oh. Ickiness. Ickiness. Yeah. So I, I like I'm, I'm going to trademark that. I'll stop. Stop the family ickiness. 
Yeah, I like it. It's very apt. Uh, a, a matter I've got now, for example, um, a, a deceased fellow did a will and had the very best of intentions to look after his uh, children and surviving wife. And in that will, he uh, left three particular properties to three of his children, or his three children, and so a different property to each different child on purpose. And then everything else was to go to his um, his surviving wife and the superannuation, which is dealt with separately, and we'll talk about it in a minute. The problem was this. After he passed away, one of those properties, the manner, we found out the manner in which it was, it was owned meant that he owned it jointly with his wife as joint tenants, and therefore that property did not form part of the estate. It was an automatic, um, by, by survivorship, it went to his wife and wasn't an estate asset. So different to the other properties, which he owned as tenants in common, which means he could gift his part of the property. And so the result of that was property A went to child A, property B went to child B, but poor child C didn't get anything at all. Wow. And, and, and the mother um, got her gift. So um, unfortunately that's turned into a, a bit of a family dispute because although it, it began with the best of intentions to rectify the situation that had happened, um, over that period of time the negotiations broke down and, and left child C in an um, unfortunate situation where um, she needed to take some action to, to try and preserve her rights. So um, all of that could have been solved and, in fact, it... it it was intended to be solved by by uh, changing the ownership of the property to the correct way, um, which is an exercise which can maybe cost a few hundred dollars. It doesn't cost very much at all. Um, they, those wheels were put in motion, actually, but unfortunately they weren't completed by the time the gentleman had died, which is another another sad part of the story that, uh, you know, the, the delay in taking action has had this effect. So you can see just by that simple little... Um, question about that change that that ownership of that property has meant that that one child C has missed out on a, a property worth hundreds of thousands of dollars that her father wanted her to get and everyone knows that and has also uh, ultimately cost her and the estate um, legal fees which certainly dad never would have had the intention of, of being so so it's a real icky story <laughs> you there's can a, see there's that a high that, um, ickiness factor in that <laughs> yeah it is either, it's, I think. It, yeah. yeah and you know from yeah. a um non-tangible yeah. aspect that unfortunately the relationship between the siblings you know in the family in some parts has has deteriorated which is a real a real shame yeah yeah that's that's unfortunate when that happens and i, I mean the ultimate aim of all this we keep saying over and over again is that kids always get together at Christmas and they're still mates. And yeah. Any, anything you can do to protect the relationship between the children is uh, is paramount. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, you you, you know, that's obviously the wishes of, of that deceased person. Um, I, I have another um, similar example uh, dealing with superannuation and, and life insurance. And I, I briefly alluded to that earlier Um as many of our viewers would know, and as we've discussed before, superannuation and life insurance is treated uh, separately from the will, usually. And so uh, it, uh, most people are very surprised when they realise or are told they can't just leave their super in the will without taking some extra steps. So a, a matter that I'm dealing with at the moment 
the deceased uh, got his form for his superannuation to nominate who he wanted to receive his, his superannuation, so got that part right, but in that nominated his elderly mother who he was very close to. Um, unfortunately, you are not allowed to nominate uh, a parent as a recipient of your superannuation. So the superannuation laws say that you can only nominate a child, a spouse or a dependent or your legal person or representative, that is your estate. So unfortunately, um, what he intended to achieve by looking after his mother, by putting her on that form, uh, didn't work out because the mother was simply ineligible and then the trustee has the discretion as to who the superannuation can go to. Now, that becomes an issue when you've got uh, potentially dueling beneficiaries. Uh, so, you know, that instead of that money being directed specifically to mum, who he wanted to, it now becomes embroiled uh, in a in an estate dispute, uh, and and is that purely at the tr the trustee's discretion as to who it goes to? So, um, really unfortunate because that wasn't his intention, and poor mum, who he really wanted to look after, hasn't been looked after in the way that he had hoped. So, who's ending up with the money in that case? Well, stay tuned. We haven't we haven't got to the okay, end of that. We haven't yet. got to that one yet. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but again. Okay. That's caused delay in it finalising the estate. It's caused expenses to everyone involved uh, and obviously a lot of stress too and unpleasantness. Sure. So, um, yeah, with, with some simple advice as to the appropriate way to funnel those funds that he wanted to to look after mum uh, that could potentially have received, uh, you know, ended up in a, in a different result in the way that he wanted. Sure. And I mean, if you think about what's in your super, so, you know, people have hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in their super. So just by filling out that form incorrectly has um, has made a, a difference of, you know, three hundred to $500,000 difference for that gentleman. Wow. Yeah. And his mum. And, and his mum and, yeah, the person who wanted the money to, uh, to go to. But Anyway, there's probably something there in regard to uh, the lack of advice that um, he was mm. given as part of his superannuation fund too. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So obviously at the time uh, didn't didn't unfortunately obtain that um, that correct advice and as a result that's, that's what's happened. Yes, that's a whole different issue in regard to advice in superannuation funds because now... Uh, uh, you know, the advice people get in superannuation funds is so limited because of, uh, you know, fee restrictions and uh, mm. so that's a whole other whole other issue. So, mm. okay, you've got a third example about a do-it-yourself will kit, the old perfect, uh, you know, the will, will of the news agency trick. Yes. Now, uh, my philosophy is a will is better than no will, usually, um, but a will kit <laughs> usually. usually can go wrong. Well, in this case, it did go wrong. So um, a, a lot of people will say, well, why can't I just go to the news agency and get a DIY will kit and fill out myself? Um, there's a few reasons why. Um, the first being that it doesn't deal with those issues that I've just spoken about. So uh, it doesn't give you advice on jointly owned assets. It doesn't give you advice on how to deal with super. So that's just the starting point. Um, a yep. will kit won't give you that that advice that you'll get from a, an advisor that that knows what they're doing. My experience with will kits is that people just can't help themselves, and they like to add their own wording. And it's it's a funny little thing, um, wording in wills. You know, often you read them, and uh, even though nowadays it's it's there's a tendency to use more plain English, 
there are specific reasons why some phrases and words are used and they can turn, you know, turn um, on the result. The result can turn on those wordings. So in an example I had a few years ago, a gentleman bought a will kit and filled it in, like filled in the spaces, did, did quite well there, but just kind of felt that it wasn't really explaining what he wanted to and then proceeded to write over the page uh, and onto the next page um, his own personal explanation of what he was trying to do above. Uh, unfortunately, that just made the whole thing ambiguous and didn't pro provide clarity at all. And what happens is when a will is ambiguous and we don't know exactly what was intended or what it means, an application to the court has to be made so a judge um, can basically interpret that will for us. Um, that is uh, potentially potentially um, thirty thousand, fifty thousand, hundred thousand, depending Expensive. on the the dispute. Yeah. So a um, a thirty dollar will kit in this particular circumstance turned into a um, thirty thousand dollar court application. So you know, for the wow. sake of of getting that uh, initial advice, and if just for a basic will, you know, we don't need to do anything tricky or any testamentary trust for that particular gentleman. But if he had um, got some advice and, and done a, a basic will, then uh, that wouldn't have happened. And in those sort of applications where that person was the um, uh, unintentionally the cause of the application by his um, creative writing, the the costs do come out of the estate there. So um, his estate ended up being thirty thousand dollars less because of those extra words that he hand wrote on his, his will kit. So I mean that's a very common. Um, it is a very common occurrence. We see a lot of that going through the courts. Okay. So uh, interesting, isn't it? People are trying to save money and it ends up costing them a fortune. Yes, another, absolutely. Another example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I, I also mentioned, Mark, um, on, on my little my little notes to you this, this morning. because You I thought did very was, well writing all those notes. Thank you. Oh, such a fun topic. There's so much. Well, not fun <laughs> for the people that get it wrong, but... Well, so it, just made, it made me think I didn't need to do any preparation today. That was very nice of you. Thank you. Well, I think, um, you know, I think these examples hopefully are starting to to show that um, that when we say it's a good idea to get advice from a professional and get it done properly, it's not because we're acting in our own self-interest to get our own, our own fees. Uh, you know, these are real-life examples that I have experienced in the last few years. And, you know, you mm -hmm. can see the dollar value. That's it's just the sure. way it is. Um, so a, another example that, that came to mind is having no will. So, you know, what some people might say is I don't have much, why do I need a will? And we've spoken about that before. But sure. um, to give you an example of what can be, uh, what the difference can be monetarily, um, I'll tell you this story. So uh, if you die without a will, what happens? Well, your estate is left by a formula that the will that the law prescribes. And as we've said before, um, that may not be what you want. It may be. But to give you an example, if you have a spouse and two children and you die without a will, the law says your estate uh, is split up as follows. So uh, the first $150,000 to your spouse, a third of the balance of your estate to your spouse, and the other two thirds of the balance is split between your kids. So. That's okay so far, I guess. But most people wouldn't be too concerned if their kids are getting looked after. But the issue sometimes happens is when the most of the estate is in a house. 
So if you don't have much money in the bank, but the bulk of your estate is in your property, now what happens is your property that your wife and children live in has to be split up potentially between your wife or your, your husband and the kids. Yep. So all of a sudden spouse is having to share ownership of the house with potentially minor children. And you can just start to think that that is a logistical nightmare, isn't it? Um, We're having a party, Mum. No, you can't. Yes, we yeah. can. We own it. Yep. Or when they turn into adults and, and move out of home and now they own a share in that house, that can restrict um, what, you know, mum or dad can do with that house. So, um, yep. you know, in dollar terms, if you're thinking about, you know, a third or, or a half of a house, here we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars that 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 decision of not having a will can can make um yeah. can can affect interesting they're all just little little uh mistakes at the time aren't they which just end up being very 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 expensive yeah but and all because I, they uh, haven't taken advice yeah and you know they might not even be mistakes they're just um uh you don't know what you don't know i suppose and so by not getting the right advice and, and doing things properly, these are the unintended effects of, of doing that, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's most un, unfortunate. Um, we've spoken a lot about testamentary trusts before and um, yeah. we're not going to go into them today, but if you do want to hear about them, go back to our previous shows and find out all about them. But, right. um, you know, and I, again, another uh, very tangible effect that, uh, estate planning can make good estate planning can make is uh, if you leave your estate to your beneficiaries for example your, your children or your spouse directly in a basic will um, it then just goes into their name and they are responsible for that and the option also is to put those uh, assets into a testamentary trust which protects them for the beneficiaries so uh, to give you some dollar examples if you had um, couple hundred thousand dollars in the bank and you give it all to child A, they uh, run a business and then they uh, get into some insolvency problems, go into bankruptcy, all those uh, assets in their estate. So that hundred thousand goes to the trustee in bankruptcy, gone. Yep. Whereas if you put it in a testamentary trust, there is an element of protect, well, there is protection there and it does not go to the trustee in bankruptcy. So that simple structure can save a hundred thousand dollars plus there. Um, you know, whatever that dollar amount is for you. Sure. Um, similarly, if if that same child that received you the hundred, let's say five hundred thousand uh, dollars, later on experiences a relationship breakdown and goes through a divorce and a property settlement, then that five hundred thousand dollars is now exposed to that property settlement, and they could, um, you know, how long's a piece of string? They could lose half more of that money. So that turns into $250,000, $300,000 gone, whereas if you had placed it in the right structure in a testamentary trust with appropriate control mechanisms, that there um, may well, well, would have been protected and may, may be taken into consideration but certainly would have been lost to that um, child and to your family. So, again, you can see that how just that little bit of advice can save hundreds of thousands of dollars. Absolutely. You have, do you have another example as well or...? Because I was going to talk about, yeah, well, another example continuing on in that theme is you might have a child or a beneficiary that just isn't good with money. So, you know, it might not yeah. be that something bad happens to them. It may be that they 
uh, are not good at managing their money. It could be that they have a gambling problem or a drug problem or that, you know, any of those sort of personal issues. And so, again, um, that can just be blown up against the wall if those funds are lost rather than um, being put in an appropriate structure. So this all comes back to um, getting the right advice to protect what you leave for the people that, that you um, want to. I'd just like to touch on uh, what happened today, and that is um, Michael Cowley is a solicitor friend of uh, Tom's, part of the Australasian Law Group and so on, that uh, uh, Michael practices out here in Gundawindi. And uh, he was going through, he was talking about the use of testamentary trusts and structuring and, and how to properly set up your, your assets and so on. Uh, when you purchase them, you know, because many people purchase things in either their own names, joint names, uh, in a company, and and so on. Which you know, when it comes to succession planning, just makes it more difficult to uh, transition the assets uh, across in a protected way with succession planning. And uh, so, a couple of people came up to me at lunchtime, Juanita, and said, uh, you know, we're, we're sitting there listening to uh, to you know this lawyer give this presentation in regard to structuring and you know as we were talking about with those clients the other day you and i uh you know so you know we've been given this advice by our accountants on you know we should just set it up in our own names or joint names and and, and all that sort of stuff and, and they said yet we sit here today and and we hear you talking about how to protect your assets when you purchase things and and they said you know we all have good accountants and uh, other professional advisors and none of our professional advisors have given us any of the advice that we have received today. And had we received that advice back when we were purchasing multi-million dollar properties and so on, it would have made a huge difference to uh, the outcome when we get to uh, transitioning those assets onto uh, our children as part of our succession plan. And, and so they, are, they asked me the question, which I just can't answer, and that is like, so why, why do we get given advice which isn't... Um, uh, the most appropriate and this is a question which is as long as a piece of string and, and uh, uh, so it's it's not just getting advice is it it's it's the trust in yeah. knowing that the people that you go to for advice are people that actually know what they're talking about so how, how does how does Joe the punter in the street um, how, how do you distinguish between what's good advice thoughtful advice and, and uh, you know, and it's like wills that are done for 99.99% of all the people I've ever met in my life. The wills are atrocious. Mm. Um, you know, what? How, how does the average guy in the street know who's a good lawyer, mm. uh, who's a good accountant, what's good advice, what's bad advice? Yeah, I, I, a couple of things come to mind that um, if you're a client getting advice is um, certainly don't be afraid to ask questions. And if your question's unanswered, there's a uh, there's an alarm bell ringing. But um, a couple of things. I, I know that we like to provide, for example, our clients with options. So, um, you know, the, the main thing is for us is that you understand what your options are and your risks are and what, you know, we recommend the best choice for you is, but then you decide. Like, it's in your power. So, the, you know, as long as you make an informed decision, then that is the most important thing. You know, if you're being pushed into one um, particular product or price um, or answer, well, maybe answer is not the right word because oft often there is an answer. But um, if you're being feel you're being pushed into a, a certain direction, then 
don't be afraid to ask the question because there are different um, options uh, available to you. And without being too vague, uh, if you know if we're giving advice to a client about their estate planning, we have different packages. So you know this might suit you. Um, it costs this, and this is what it does. There's another step up. This gives you a bit more protection, and it costs this. But you might not be in a position where you feel that's suitable to you now. So you know, be don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, make sure you're not pushed into the right into a corner. You know, you're given some options, and probably. Um, have a think about whether the the advisor is is speaking to you with the with your goal in mind because it, it should be all about what you want to achieve in the end, not what your advisor wants to achieve. So every client is different. So um, sure. you know it's not going to be the same answer for every client. So uh, you know that's important too that you feel that that your goal, your end goal, is being what's discussed, not the solicitor or the accountant's end goal. Look, look absolutely. Yeah, look, absolutely. And the, the other issue is is um, uh, the clients don't know the questions to ask. And, and that's um, that's the issue. They don't know what their options are because they're trusting mm -hmm. the advice. Someone's come up and said, this is the way you should structure it. And you just go, well, yeah, okay. You know, mm -hmm. people should be asking, saying, well, can you give me two alternatives and, and, um, and make that part of their normal routine when they're talking to their professional advisors is ask the advisor for other alternatives apart from, you know, what the advisor... Uh, gives them so uh, you know yeah. I like your idea of the three packages you know you have different packages provide different levels of protection and testamentary trusts and at least the client then has a has a choice but it was just an interesting question to me and I thought wow you know isn't it isn't it sad that most people aren't getting good advice mm. because they don't know who to go to and they don't know what questions to ask and uh, I don't think um I, you know I certainly don't think a client's expected to um know the legal questions to ask you know that's the responsibility of of us to draw them out but certainly we always ask our, our clients straight up right at the front is there anything that's bothering you like what what do you want to make sure that I address for you today what's causing you to lose sleep at night you know what's <laughs> what's bothering you absolutely yeah. if yeah. I if I haven't covered them by the end, let's make sure I do. So that's really important. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Time's up as usual. Been fantastic. Thank you, Anita. Full of wisdom and good advice. So thanks for your Thank time you today and look forward to thanks catching everyone. you next week. See you guys. Bye.